we are live with Triple A Lives number one host together. I don't, is, is this the wait, wait, wait? I didn't know this was a thing. Hold on, <laughs> I just came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Triple A Live, everybody. I'm your host today, Dylan Camacho. Today with me, of course, is the one and the only Netvu in the house, everybody. Good to be with you here today, Dylan. Oh man, I am I'm mixed about this episode when we get to the competitors corner, actually. The more I'm talking about it, the more I'm like, oh, it feels like a betrayal. Uh, oh right, this is the first Asian competitor we're covering. Yeah. Did we cover Chandra before? No, no we covered we can't we covered Hannah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah. Man, so all right. So for the very first time. We are covering the weaknesses of an Asian player in the movie trivia showdown. We're covering Ethan Irwin in Competitor's Corner. Make sure to t stay tuned for that part of the episode later on in the time. Michael Sambliss in there. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Michael. Oscar, <laughs> Oscar knows what's up. <laughs> time to piss people off. Ain't you? you know what? Never. Here's the thing, Oscar. Today we're talking to Ethan Irwin in Competitor's Corner, and I don't think he's going to sweat it, man. I really don't. We just had him on chill, so it felt appropriate to go ahead and bring him on in. Uh, to Competitors Corner on AAA Live. We had Roka last week, and so far we haven't heard a thing, which is very likely he hasn't watched it yet. So <laughs> here's, here's two things that go against your theory of us pissing Ethan Irwin off. Number okay. one, he's way too busy to be watching our show. Number yeah. two, he is basically future Dylan, so he, he would understand. Yeah. Ethan Irwin gets it. All right. I'm going to, so help me, I will have him on the show because I was the one to get the contact info but chill got them first so what are you gonna do ah they're ambitious um that's why they're chill or triple a live right matt uh, that's why the a and triple a doesn't stand for ambitious yes uh what does triple a stand for speaking of that abercrombie and ass abercrombie and ass that's right everybody we got the thickens and the buns all in the same place here you can't shop there but you can get your number one source of ass I'm not <laughs> so a little look behind the scenes like i have written down a bunch of triple a acronyms and whatever and i thought of this one in the showers like abercrombie and something that that would be pretty good yeah and the first a word I, that came to mind was ass and i i just found yeah. it so funny for some reason because i'm a child but <laughs> it always entertains me though too so i just can't help but to be like you know what what is it today what is it today so today triple <laughs> a live stands for abercrombie and ass Welcome to the show. Today in Abercrombie and Ass, we talk about competitors. And we're talking about two very big brand competitors today. Uh, for How's My Kayfabe, let's just get into that. Who are we talking about today, Matt? Today we are going to be talking about the Kayfabe of one Mark Andreco. Mark the Android Andreco. Uh, a player who has beaten Ethan Irwin, if I recall correctly. Yeah, he's one of the other ones on that. Merle, Bibbs, and Andreco. Uh Yes. He's beaten them in 2018. In yeah. I mean, it's been a while ago, but yeah, he won. So let's let's not talk about his gameplay stuff, though, because he's he's got some sweet gameplay stuff to talk about, but we ain't here for that. We're here to talk about his character, because his character is spicy right now. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Let's I, I, Listen, we were so behind the scenes again. Me and Nat were sitting here scratching our head. Who are we talking about for kayfabe today? And I was like, and Draco, and then Nat was like, oh, yeah. And doesn't even have any complaints. Here's why I think Andreco's super sweet right now. Andreco's sweet. One, he's getting more screen time. We've seen him on backstage more. Uh, not this episode, but this most recent episode before that. Um, and he's sitting there. He's getting all worked up uh, after their Who's the Boss match. So, odd mm -hmm. couple of the 
lost that big fight now at the awards. He's even sitting there calling Ben Bateman out personally saying, Oh, Ben Bateman is champion. I guess I'm going to go in the singles ring so I can go ahead and take a belt because if he can do it, so can I, I am all about Andrako's ego right now because he has the, he has the knowledge and skill to back that up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I hate to be, I don't want to sound like a hater. Uh-huh. I'm a big Andrako fan, but the reason I'm an Andrako fan is not because of his kayfabe. I think he doesn't really play a character per se. He just he's himself, you know. And that's not a yeah. bad thing. Like we we need those characters in in the league. But like he doesn't strike me as like a like a performer. He goes in there, he's snarky. He he does his trivia and then he leaves. Like he's not he's not like top. I I wouldn't even I would have a hard have a hard time putting him in either category, either face or heel, because mm-hmm. he's just. It's hard to describe what he is like, and it's interesting that he's paired up with Jeff Snyder because Jeff Snyder is unabashedly heel. Oh yeah, and I think that really brings out the whole odd couple dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm glad you brought up Snyder's contrast because I think originally odd couples will be very much like you know you have Andreka who is on paper a a solid baby face like you know like if you ask me immediately my first guess is face but. He makes jabs and remarks kind of a lot like what got Chandru in trouble recently whenever he's supposed to be a face, but, you know, he's just throwing shade at Hannah and anybody that comes his way in the IG, mostly just Hannah. But, um, you know, and you know, Chandru kind of got a lot of shade for sitting here and saying some non-face remarks, saying some, you know, like getting hidden back and making sure that he's throwing those comments back. And Draco's kind of that same way. And Draco's not one who's afraid to just sit there and not make a snide comic or like make some sweet jab in the moment. But when he he doesn't do it often, but when he does, it's always killer. It is always either so funny or totally on point that I do think that he is just one of these people who's go under the radar for a really long time. But you're right. He's not exactly a full-on character. I do think that Draco is just purely Draco. But what we're getting from him recently, I would say awards onwards, is we're getting that that kayfabe boost of personality. You know what I mean? Where before, if Andrejko was operating at like 80%, 70%, you know, this is previous yeah. seasons, he's kind of being more quiet, just being a smart dude who knows trivia. Now he's pushing it to 90. Now he's pushing it to 95. We're seeing full Andrejko now. And although you can kind of argue, is that really kayfabe because it's not necessarily a character, it's just him. I think he's amping up some of the competitiveness in him and tying that into having this rivalry with, Bateman and with who's the boss. I think with that, we're starting to see more of a development of like his inner kayfabe. Like this is him being almost a tweener in a way right now. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I, I do agree with you to some extent, but I feel like Andrego has always been this way. Like you remember when he was part of the lion's den, like he was basically the same character. Really. He was technically a heel, but he was, I don't know. He's, Pretty much the same as he was now. Like he gave, yeah. he gave, he gave everyone shit. Whether you're a heel, you're a tweener, you're a you're a face. Like he would talk shit about anyone. Like even like in his interview with Emma, like remember that before he joined Five Club, like he he tore into her yeah. in a way that no one had before. And I I just feel like Mark Andrego is the type of competitor who doesn't need a character. He's just himself, and right. I think that works for him because his himself is really interesting. It almost makes you wonder if that's like a thing with some of the the super highbrow trivia players. Like, I'm not saying the ones who are uh, like the top tier com- competition, like your Dan Merle or, or your Bibiani or, or even Irwin. 
uh, who we'll be talking about more later, we have these people who are pure like trivia knots, right? Like they just know it. Um, and we tend to see less over the top character from them because they're just, I feel like that's almost like a thing. Like, I don't know, maybe I need to look, go through the numbers. I'm, Meg, <laughs> I'm not gonna make you do a stat for this or anything like that, but thinking like how many of these players are like these big brain, just know it players and that don't have a character that's bigger than them. Like if you ask me Roka, Roka is one of these characters who has a, a character that's bigger than life, but he is a top tier competitor. But if you told me up front, you, you think he knows as much as Ethan Rowan like nine out of 10 times or Andrako or Dan Merle nine out of 10 times. Eh, I mean, it depends, but overall I would say, yeah, they're probably more and more well-rounded. They probably just know more off the top of their head. Roka studies and becomes a good player. Yeah. So all of that is to say with Andrako, yeah, I mean, I, I won't fault you for saying that it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily that he doesn't have a character. Cause I think that the version that he puts out there, you know, whenever he's in the cutscenes and stuff like that, those are his larger than himself character. Like, mm -hmm. again, I don't think Andrako is one of those people who goes full out 100%. Like, I don't know. I've never, I've never partied with Andrako. I've never like, you know, drank and had a bunch of drinks or like, you know, just seen him drunk or anything like that as an excuse. I don't know yeah. what times he would go full on, like 100% Mark Andrico. Uh -huh. Maybe at like a convention, like a nerdy convention, like comic book convention, we might see him full out geeking out, but it's not the same. Yeah. So in the Schmodown, though, I don't know. Like, he's, I feel like he's always been this silent killer. And sure, yeah, in post game interviews, he'll have some shade, and that's been pretty consistent. But just something recently just feels like he sparked, you know, that he's finally got like a, a drive to move forward. And I think that's very different for his character before. Before, I don't feel like he's had the a super big drive to want to be a champion. I think he wanted to play and that he wanted to win, but he also was never upset if he lost. Now he's like, I want to play. And then after the Who's the Boss match, he was like, I want to play again in an Iron Man match because fuck you, I know I know better. Like, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that you don't stay in the league as long as uh, Mark and Draco has without developing some sort of passion for it. And we've definitely seen that grow. He's gotten more into it. I, I still stand by, I don't feel like, it's a character per se. I think it's his personality, but ramped up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I, I enjoy his personality. It's not to say that he doesn't have a personality because he definitely does. He just, oh, yeah. I don't think he has like, he's not going into there pretending to be an Android or anything. Like he's oh. not, he's not Andrew guy. Like Andrew guy's a super nice guy in real life, but in the, in the, well, not this year. Cause he's a big face now, but last yeah. year he, he ramps it up to this like evil super villain type character. And Mark Drago doesn't do that. He, he goes in, he focuses on the trivia. And I think it works being in the rock stars because everyone around him focuses on the character work. Well, he just goes in, he answers questions right, and he just does the trivia. Yeah. So I, I guess kind of climbing off of that then, let's let's look at the odd couple as a whole for just a quick second because I think it says a lot on who and Draco is both in a team and in a single career. Mm -hmm. And in the odd couple, we have Snyder who is objectively – also just a personality like i think it's him up to 110 percent, but i don't really think he's playing a character you know what i mean like whenever snyder's doing full-on heel talk even with his post today on facebook he had a long like huge post on the movie trivia showdown group where he's sitting here just talking about how it's like spelling shouldn't be a thing but it should be because i'm the best damn speller there is and he's just being full-on in and i'm like see that's snyder to me like i think that's truly him i don't think that's him playing a character and i think neither of them are necessarily playing a character but those are drastically who they are. Uh, so seeing them raise the stakes, Snyder is definitely way more Snyder than Andrejko is, I guess, himself, so to speak, in the scrotum. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I didn't even think about that when I was making the whole point about Mark Andrejko. Like, mm -hmm. Jeff Snyder is his character. 
Yeah. We just we just don't really talk about it that much because he's so animated. He's such a heel. So I mean, I guess it makes sense that I think it's really interesting that they're paired up together because they're so similar, but they're also so different. Oh yeah. Um, let's peek in the chat and see what they're saying about all this. So Sam, Michael Samless, of course, uh, says he was like, I think he was a completely underrated member in the Lions Den, made a great foil for Burnett and Blofeld's cat. I super agree with that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like those two could not be more different. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what sh- that kind of works best with Draco. You want somebody who not only trivia wise com- like compliments him, but somebody who's just so over the top as a character that it's like they can play the mind games and let Draco just sneak in and keep hammering points, you know? Yeah. Um, Meg's, of course, mentioning Dan Morell is developing a bigger character. Bibiani has over the top theatrics. Totally agree. But Bibiani took a while to get there. Bibiani went through a lot of bad heel years and stuff that he didn't enjoy doing before he started to really enjoy it. Um, Dan Morell, of course, recently really been up in this game. Since last season, I think he's really taken it up a whole, like, he's leveled up his kayfabe in a really solid way. Um, yeah, I think- it kind of happens when you surround yourself with people who are really in a kayfabe, like the yeah. horseman. Oh, yeah. When you have – if you have Bateman on one side and Roka on the other side, you have to be pumping, like, your numbers and, and the kayfabe stuff. Yeah. Uh, plus, Dan Merlin just has, like, this the aura of the goat around him, right? You know what I mean? It's this, I am the best player. You have to – like, you can't even argue with that. Like, and I'm not going to argue it because I'm going to let my, like, skills speak for it. When you have yeah. that kind of aura and, like – perception to you you really have to rock like the mount rushmore of, of like personality there mm-hmm. um and i think that's kind of where it's, it puts in draco in an interesting position in comparison because you have in draco who's former tag champion who's one of the people who the first team with him and snyder to beat the shire wolves uh yeah. beat, who's the boss at chicago i was there live for that what a crazy match that was just you know and draco is this huge absolute monster of a player in the snowdown, but it almost doesn't seem like it. And I think so much of that comes from his kayfabe work prior, you know, he wasn't a big character, a big personality. So I think he goes under the radar a whole lot, but as it's amping up, I'm telling you, man, if this wasn't like the season of COVID-19, like we would, this would be the season of Andrako. I really do. I think that we'd be seeing so much more of him, so much more competition and shit talking. I think that he'd be a huge character once he has that time to breathe. But right now nobody's breathing on each other because we're all wearing masks. So, um, yeah, Bateman, Lon, Guy are all the best examples of characters. Lon, oh my god, we've we're saving him for a rainy day on kayfabe. I cannot wait to get back on that one again. Can't wait. Oh man, um, yeah, truly over the top characters, and I'm glad that Andrico isn't because I don't think Andrico serves. I don't think Andrico would be good as an over the top character. I think that he's appropriately measured at this realistic still relative to him character somebody doesn't go over the top over the moon or something like that because i think that's just that probably wouldn't feel natural to him i don't think that he would do well with that kind of how bibs wouldn't do well with the heel stuff i think this is more natural just for him to be like this catty shit talker who all just lands a jab whenever he needs to and then goes back into the game and starts swinging away yeah i mean everyone can't be over the top like you can't have a whole league full of video drews and toms like you, need, you need a, a person like uh a dan merle or a mark and draco to to balance it out. Like you can't have everyone just be all whack and, and like, you know, eccentric. And I think that's the perfect part of a Draco. You know, you have somebody who keeps you grounded in reality while letting these people like Snyder or Bateman or Pearl or whoever, Roga, you let these people be these over the top stars personality wise. And they shine because you have somebody like Draco showing the reality, keeping you grounded in that 
wow, these people are really like amazing performers as well as movie trivia people, you know? And that's not that all to say that Draco isn't a great performer, but you know, again, exactly like you said, it's, it's contrast, it's juxtaposition. You need these people who are realistic, believable people, but also playing characters in the showdown, even if it's just a little bit more exaggerated versions of themselves, um, to make sure that these people way up here, your over-the-top characters like Lon and, and Guy, don't come off as like way overboard, like way too crazy. Because if we didn't have any grounded characters and we were all just crazy, then it's just the norm. So nobody's great, even if because everybody's doing this crazy comical versions of themselves, you know? Yeah, exactly. If everyone's special, then no one's special. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, that that's in Draco in a nutshell. I wanted to bring him in because he's one of these ones who I think goes under the radar, but I think has been really amping it up the more I've been watching him, the more I've been seeing him on backstage. I just, I like what he's putting out there, man. I, I like the smart, quick-witted people who just drop in, hit it, and then go back to just slaying up work. And I like people who can talk shit and back it up and sit there and just say, all right, go into a match. And I'm like 50-50. I'm like, he could take it or he could he could not. I mean, it depends. But it, Mark and Draco, I'd say he's a 50-50 competitor. And I mean that in a good way. Like, you could put him against pretty much anybody of the top echelon of people and say, yeah, he has a fighting chance to win. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I feel like, in in addition to that, like he could play anyone and have a chance, but he can also play against anyone and, and match up with them kayfabe wise. Like he, oh, yeah. he has, he's like the right in the middle of tweener to me. Like he's a little bit to the heel side because of his associates. Yeah. But I feel like like he will he would trash talk anyone. Like he trash talked Bateman. Bateman's a, a tweener. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Bateman is tweener trying to be a face right now, and he's just like, I don't give a shit. I was like, I'm tired of this waiting game stuff. I want him in an Iron Man match. Give him that Iron Man match, guys. God, I want that so bad. I think that would be a sweet match. Honestly, I think Odd Couple has the edge on that one, just with Andrejko alone. But anyway, uh, unless you got any other closing thoughts, I'm ready to move on from Kayfabe, but I want to make the biggest top ten anime betrayals in this competitor's corner. Let's move on. <laughs> right on. All right, so we <laughs> Michael and Meg's talking about grad school and how Lon is the most realistic character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. We, I've, I've had days where I was academic long and I've had days where I am street rat wrong. So, street yeah. Lon. There we go. But anyway, without further ado, with all the grad school flashbacks and all that, let's get into Competitor's Corner. If you are just the first time tuning in, Competitor's Corner, we write a study guide. If you are a, a movie trivia showdown player sitting at home watching all these videos because you got nothing better to do right now, Come check out Competitor's Corner. What we do here is we make a study guide. We sit here and say, we're going to make a strategy against a certain player, whoever one we pick, usually somebody hard and top tier because we don't want to make it too easy. We do a deep dive in with the help of our wonderful statistician, Megs, in the chat currently. Okay. Um, and we sit there, break down the stats, see what we can do as far as making a strategy on beating this player. So today's player is none other than the man of call to actions this week, uh, Spotlight Fame, Ethan Big Time Irwin. So, without further ado, let's pull up some of these wonderful stats that Megas got for us. All right. Boom. All right. So, singles record two and three. This is all from the previous season. This doesn't account for his total overall season run. This is just from the last 365 days. So, if you're wondering why he's two and three all of a sudden, that's why for that. Uh, from the past, you know, year worth of play, he's two and three in singles, one TKO. Average of 7.5. Pretty damn good. Um, perfect rounds. He's had the one, he's gotten one of the bonuses out of five perfect rounds. Uh, round two average of fourteen point four. 
which means roughly he's missing one question, but really most of the time he's just going to multiple choice on one of the questions of all of his round two questions. Round three accuracies, he's 100% in this one. And second, on two-pointers, three-pointers, he's three out of four, and then it kind of drops kind of perfectly right into round five. 50-50. He, you know, he's just as likely to hit it as he is to miss it. Yeah. Team's record reflects pretty well as well, but, you know, we'll kind of get more into that as we go. Uh, Nat, before we were getting into this, I remember sitting here thinking, like, two and three. What? That doesn't make any sense. There's no, no way two and three, right? We were both scratching our heads on that, and you were like, no, yeah. I mean, he, he had a rough season this past season. Um, so let's take a look at that, because I want to see that. We'll look at Time Machine here shortly. Uh, let's look at the singles run. So it's a singles run. He plays Dan Merle to open the season last year in New York. Yep. Loses the belt to Merle, who runs a perfect game. And literally, as we were talking about it, this match is so interesting on numbers alone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, oh, and Meg points out, that's one perfect round plus bonus out of five matches. Thank you, Meg, for the clarification. So, uh, against Merle, this is a crazy match to look at on numbers. And this was something I was really, like, me and you were really locked into, looking at the story the numbers tell. Because if you look, Erwin beats Merle every single round in this match, except for round one, where Merle went perfect and got the bonus. Could you make it full screen? Yeah, 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 I got you. So let me bump it up, right? Yeah, there we go. Merle, Erwin, Merle gets the perfect round and gets a bonus. And then round two, he goes six and then has to get a multiple choice into the next one on this. So he goes three, four, or two, four, three. Yeah, four. Three out of four. And then gets the fourth one to multiple choice. Erwin hits all eight. Uh, By then, it's 16-15. They get to the betting round. Merle bets two. Erwin bets three. Gets it. Speed round. Merle goes two. Erwin gets three. Gets it. 20-21. And then it comes down to five pointers for the win for Erwin to sit there and lose it to Merle by a two-point difference. And the two points comes pretty much from the first round. That is crazy. To, and I remember sitting there thinking, like, wow, it's wild that Merle had to go perfect to beat Erwin. That's the only way he's going to sit there and get him. But more so is that it only came from that round one difference, right? Yeah. And as we saw before, Erwin, 7.5 average, guys. Like, he's often – Right, I mean, that, he got right where he needed to. About average. Usually, he sometimes even gets eight. But oh, that's that's such a crazy close match. And I, I just, I don't know. Whenever I look back on the numbers on that, that was just that hung me up all the way. We look, of course, at his next match. It's Bibbs, Roca, and him in a three-way match, which was an underrated match for storyline talk and banter. Um, Bibiani ends up plussing it out. Roca finishes out with fifteen against twenty-three, and Irwin, Manhattan. Erwin takes Fouch all the way to a TKO, wins her on that, plays Bibiani again in the singles tournament, round two, ends up losing, and then he has a match against Snyder, which he recently just won at, you know, this before the whole season and everything went to hell. Yes. So just kind of pop in on this. Uh, we'll go over into the real meat, I think, of this breakdown is right here. Um, so let's, let's get into this. We'll go ahead and keep this up in the background. But so far, what's our stretch looking in for Ethan Irwin? How do we beat this man? Because so far, you just have to go perfect. like, Or you just have to have one or two points more in round one, and it seems like you just are answering your five and staying perfect all throughout that middle round, too. Yeah, I mean, unless you're Dan Murrow, you're going to have to like implement some other type of strategy besides getting a perfect game. 
like I was I was there for the New York event and Murrow just like he just killed it. Like he didn't get a single question wrong. Right. I think that his Ethan Irwin's round two weaknesses are what you have to look at because they're pretty glaring. Yeah. I think Ethan Irwin has a lot of has a really good surface based knowledge. Like he he will he will get he would do really well in round one. And depending on the categories in round in round three, around five, depending on if there's a championship online, he will do really well in that too. So what you have to do is look at his weaknesses. And the the obvious one before I went to look at the stats was animated, because like it's pretty well known that he doesn't do well in animated. Right. And looking at here, he has 50% accuracy in both Julia Roberts and movie taglines based on the matches we've looked at. So you, you got to be aware of that. I, maybe Julia Roberts is a, a gender thing. I don't know. Like he doesn't, I don't think he has any kids, so he doesn't watch a lot of animated movies. I think that those are things you have to be aware of. Right. And Michael Samuels, of course, getting all the questions right is generally a pretty reliable strategy. Really don't know why I'm trying to more. Um, you know, if they watch this show, they would just know just to start answering questions right. And that's really the true and safest way to win. But when you're looking at the full game picture here, Michael, and I'm glad you point that out, is that sometimes it's not, it's not always enough, man. Like, you really – it's very picky on where you get your questions right as well, you know. I think we're exactly in that point. We were talking a little bit before strategy-wise, and something we always like to consider is not only do we look at, you know, is round one going to be his, his slow uh, slow rounds where he's not going to be as solid. Ethan's nailing seven on bad days, right? So you're – you're sitting here, you're going to have to be doing almost perfect in round one. Round two is really the only round that you tend to see Erwin have any chance of actually not doing well. This is where he's going to lose the most points nine out of ten times in a match, um, which is crazy because even going back into his round two percentages, his round two percentage is 14.4. He's often still nailing multiple choice or going down to, you know, he's still getting points there, but he's definitely losing it on the multiple choice options right here. So looking at these category weaknesses in round two, these this is this right here is what you need to be looking at to be Irwin, I truly think. Other than just playing perfect out of your mind, you really want to saddle him up with something that he's not good with. Uh, animated, Julia Roberts, movie taglines. This is one of those ones that I think is by nature just already a hard category, so that's that doesn't surprise me. Fantasy sci-fi kind of does, but I mean, even then, it's it's a weakness, and we say that with big parentheses around it because it's eighty-five percent of the time he's still getting a question of that correct. Right. Um, drama kind of in that same category, but animated Julia Roberts. That's, those are pretty big glaring weaknesses, and for whatever reason, I feel like he gets that category a lot. Like, I don't—is that just me? Do I feel like he gets like a female lead actress like category? I feel like he's get that in like ScarJo or something like that. Foster and versus Dan Merle, I think. Yeah, so, you know, you have these matches where he, he just gets settled with bad oh. rounds. No, you're right, because, like, when he played Clark Wolf, he got Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Jodie Foster played Jeff Snyder, he got Julia Roberts. So it happens a lot to him for some reason. That's that's wild to think about. So he's often getting, like, just these female lead ones, which, you know, again, I, I, I don't often try to play the gender card because I don't think that that's always a good way to say. And I can't speak if this is why he's missing questions in here. Yeah, just generally just didn't watch the movie. But, you know, if you think back on these, these are movies that came out early 90s. Julia Roberts has a wide category. So that's one of those hard ones where maybe you just didn't watch these at the time. Um, I know for me, if you gave me rom-coms or something like that, I would probably do terrible just because I'm like, I didn't have a girl that I was dating that said, I love rom-coms. Let's go watch all of these. So there was no reason for me to ever go watch them. Um, 
you know, so that I hate to say that gender thing plays a part, but it does sometimes. I think it's it really does. So you're looking at these categories. These are going to be the crux of his weaknesses. So you go into round three, round three. Yeah, he's probably not. He's 50-50 on getting the five, but so I really think you just want to have that edge going into round three and take a breather knowing that, all right, if you go and you nail your five-pointer, that you're just as likely to win as you are to lose to that point. And that seems like one of those redundant statements, but that's AAA Live in a nutshell for you, is that if Irwin is just as often missing as he is getting his five-pointers. So if you're head on the five, you you have a pretty big chip on your shoulder, I think, you know? Yeah, and that also speaks to my theory that he's really good at, at surface-level questions and not, like, deep, deep cuts because the five-pointers, are they get deep. So right. I, uh, that's a huge hole in his game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that glaring weakness is the thing that has stopped him from going on a super hot run again recently. Um, I know we've – I feel like we hear time and time again in the, in the spear <clears throat> that – Erwin is one of these people who just doesn't study. He knows what he knows. He goes in and just clobbers it. If you want to know more about Erwin, you can make sure to go check out Chill to Action. We had an episode with him just earlier this week. Make sure to go tune that in for more insight into Ethan Erwin. You might even get some more study guide tips from that. Good stuff. But, you know, yeah, he's one of these people who just knows what he knows, man. Like, he goes in, clobbers it, calls it a day. And if you don't know more than Ethan, then you're likely going to lose. But – that's not to say that there's not some good playing you can't do against him, right? Sure, round two is the biggest one that we can really find objectively where he has anything that we can call a weakness. Um, round three, he, he suffers on fives. But otherwise, he's pulling seven points almost every time in round one, if not a perfect round. And, yeah, I mean, he's one of these players that another thing we always consider is, um, you know, is kayfabe an effective strategy against them? Can you play mind games with them or anything like that? And you cannot do that with Ethan Irwin. Good luck. Um, if you've seen his match against Jeff Snyder recently, didn't phase him a bit. That man does not sweat under any like any pressure, any mind games, any of that. He's just not playing it. Like, I, why do you think that is? Is it, is it just that he's just a big star movie producer guy? He's just like, I don't care. Like, I think he's just used to all these, these Hollywood types. Like, he's He's used to all the shit talk and everything. Like, if Jeff Snyder doesn't phase you, then no one will. Yeah. And Jeff Snyder, criminally underrated as, as a heel, debatably, like, the second best heel of all time next to Guy. Like, I mean, I, I have to think hard on it, but in my first thought, I'm like, yeah, I'd give him second or third. He's in top three. I think he's, Snyder's a top three heel. Yeah, I, I need to think about it more, but I can't really argue that point right now. Yeah, I, I, we're not going to deep dive into that. But, you know, at least a top three heel. And one of the best when it comes to trying to truly mess with people's like minds. Like, he is great as far as getting people flustered in a match. And I'm telling you guys, Erwin didn't even sweat a little bit in any of the mind game stuff. The only times he was you ever catch any perspiration from even Erwin in a match is because he just was probably hot underneath the lights. And overall, he knows what he knows and he knows what he doesn't. And he's not going to sit here and play the game. And say, oh well, let's let's uh, let's do a repeat again. And you know, he's not the time to drag it out. Like, which I think is also strangely enough one of his weaknesses in the game. I think that if he wanted to bring that level of competition in, that that could give him an edge on some of these matchups that he, you know, that he maybe just needs at that top tier level. You know, if Irwin played a little bit more of the kayfabe stuff, maybe did some jabs or something like that. Uh, you know, maybe that might be that difference where it just makes the, his opponent miss that one point, and then he wins. But really, I don't think he's ever had the need to do it. We've seen Erwin yeah. just come in, and in his rookie season, come out and be a champion, just crushed everybody, you know? So, 
Yeah, I mean, we looked at his stats for the past year, and he was two and three. But like overall, he's nine and four. He's a yeah. former champion. He he's a he's fucking he's really good at trivia. So yeah. like you know, he's probably going there. You have to know his weaknesses. Like the thing we talk about is most of the competitors that we cover here, we make a disclaimer that their weaknesses can change. Like they can study up their weaknesses. You, I don't think you really have to worry about that with Ethan Irwin because he doesn't study. He knows what he knows. He goes in and he answers his questions. Yeah. So I think you have to consider uh, his round two weaknesses are very important important because they pretty, they stay pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that the two main weaknesses that you take away from this big analysis of Ethan Irwin. Firstly, you just look at his round two weaknesses. Go ahead and bring it on the screen one more time. Just to flex on for Meg's wonderful stats. Look at those beautiful things. God, so glad she does that for us. So, yeah, I mean, really, you have two points of beating Ethan Irwin. You you just outright know more trivia than him, which is unlikely, um, unless you're one of, like, five or six other players in the league. Really, maybe only two or three. I would say Bibbs, Merle are the ones who consistently tend to beat him. Yeah. Uh, and Draco pulls the win every now and again. Let's not sleep on Draco, as we mentioned earlier. But yeah, you're either just one of these people who just knows better or knows more, or you you know his weaknesses. You got to know this stuff, though. You really do. You got to know that he doesn't know the deep cuts and he doesn't know animated. That he's kind of rough on Julia Roberts. Uh, dramas and fantasy sci-fi, yeah, objectively they're weaknesses because, sure, I mean it's they're not. They're not his best categories is how I would exactly rate these two. But you get into movie taglines as well, which is just traditionally a, a really rough category. He's one of these guys. He's going to sweat in this one. And because he said time and time again that, you know, I'm not a dude who studies. Yeah. yeah it, this is this is important stuff to know. He's one of these exact people that you need to know this stuff because that is the best edge you're going to get against Ethan Irwin in a match. Yeah, I think it's interesting, the people that he has trouble with, uh, your Damaros or Bibianis, they're not the type of people who, who try to get in your head. And it's worked for them. Like they, they just go in, they know what they know, and they they just beat them. So I think really kayfabe is pointless against Ethan Irwin. Oh yeah. Um, if anything, I hope that you know Ethan comes across from you know gets on a big run, decides you know what I want to take a big run at it, and I want him to go in and become a studier because that's just going to make him the scariest damn man in the league, impervious to kayfabe, smartest one of the smartest dudes in the league before studying. Like yeah. You know, you have those anime characters I think about who are, like, ridiculously strong already. And they have, like, they go away for a little bit of train, and then they just come back and destroy everybody. That's Ethan Irwin to me. Like, he's waiting to be this, like, up-and-coming protagonist that's just going to take over the whole league again. Like, he has that potential at any given point. But I get it. He's a busy producer. He's a movie, like, he's this movie dude. He's big-time Ethan Irwin. So I'm not going to fault the guy for not just committing, you know, two to three months of studying to go be a champion and do a champ run like Bateman did or something. Yeah, he's definitely no baby. He's he's definitely like a, a character like like Superman or Achilles, where Superman has his kryptonite, Achilles has his heel. He has virtually invincible, except for his glaring weaknesses, which you can exploit. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, which makes me just really want a Bateman or Baywin Irwin match really bad. You know, I really want that match. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Um, but anyway, that's I mean that's more or less our wrap up with it. He's kayfabe impervious. You take him in round two, you get those weaknesses, and you make sure that keep an eye on any of the questions where he gets deep cuts because that's where he tends to suffer. Round five, if you're ahead and you got your five pointer, you you can take a deep breath of relaxation, saying, "I've probably got this." It's at least at a coin flip level. It's not like oh he's gonna get his two, oh he's definitely gonna get his three. 
he's probably not going to get his five. I don't know. Fives kill Ethan Irwin as much as round two does. So, um, any other strats or thinking that I'm missing here, uh, Nat, Megs, you're in the chat. Any strategies that you notice whenever you're coming up with these stats that you're like, oh, we should definitely point this out as well. He needs a little push in strategy and study to come back. I agree. His strategy is a little off and get his gameplay as far as in the match, I think can definitely improve. It's not bad, but I think it's just, it doesn't match the level that his trivia knowledge is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think, yeah. think he needs strategy. He needs to study. He needs a luck because yeah. luck, plays a huge factor for him, depending on how the wheel spins. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, any other strats that we got for all of the wonderful um, competitors watching at home and checking us out in the on rewatches later? I think we basically covered pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. So if you're John Roca and you're watching this episode, and this is something for whatever reason you didn't know and you didn't know these stats or things, you're welcome because – uh, you're going to be Ethan Irwin's next opponent, last I checked, whenever that match is supposed to get recorded and all that figured out. Figure it out later, guys. The world's on fire, one thing at a time. But, um, yeah, without further ado, Nat, I think that's our show for tonight, buddy. Yeah, this is a pretty fast one. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes we got to come in here and just do the hot takes. We want to make sure that nobody's forgetting that even though the competitors aren't all playing right now, we're living off of, like, VHS tapes at Harloff's house, essentially, right now that we're still making sure we're putting up those sweet study guides up because off chance Irwin's at home studying right now in the coronavirus break and he just makes this all wrong. I want to at least have a tape that shows that we tried. We made sure we had a bookmark and that Roca or whoever, any other competitor comes back and says, you know what, what's a good strategy against Irwin? I need to do some practicing. Those AAA guys, I don't know what that stands for. They did a video on him not long ago. You have it here first. Abercrombie and ass has got you covered from the bottom of your ankle to the top of your buttocks. This team's are fully covered all the way with strategies against Ethan Irwin. Nat, where can they catch you at, my friend? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Ice44. I'm Nat Vu on Facebook. You can catch me here every other Thursday, and you can catch me at my house because that's where I spend most of my time these days. You can also catch me at my house because we aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, you can catch me here every other week on Triple A Live, of course, with my number one main co-host, Nat Vu. Um, you can also catch me at Twitter at C-A-M-A-C-H Octopus. I will follow your stuff and read what you tweet, and sometimes I'll retweet stuff. Uh, I recently had my roof fixed. Not fixed. I just put a whole new roof on, so I tweeted about that. If you want to go find out crazy news about my house getting random updates, you can make sure to follow me at Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I am old. So, anyway, uh, always catch us here every other Thursday here on the Call to Action Podcast channel. Make sure to be tuning into our other stuff. Schmo Bates, you already know. Shell Action, you already know. Go check that sweet stuff out. Go check out all of our content. We're doing something with Schmo Down one way or the other, getting great interviews, great everything, great strategy. And I hope that you guys are staying happy and healthy at home. Make sure to watch out for your mental health as much as your physical health. Take some step outside. Put your mask on beforehand. And go enjoy just the sunlight whenever you get it, guys, because it is tough right now. Look at mine and Nat's hair. It is crazy. We need a haircut. Some kind of rock star. Yeah, bro. It's it's absurd. You know what? I'm just honestly, I'm glad that my hair still grows because I have like most of my friends are bald. So I'm just glad that I have it. All right. That's your words of wisdom from today on AAA Live. We will catch you here in two weeks, guys. And uh, if you're wondering who we're wanting to, how we're going to cover for Competitors Corner, let us know in the comments below who you think we want to cover. What top tier competition? Maybe you want us to pick somebody who's not top tier. We can do an easy week too. 
We got the stats on everybody, thanks to Megs. You can follow, by the way, Megs at Megs underscore Reclaimed, I believe. Um, she's the wonderful petition. Always a shout out to her. She's the one putting all the hard work into it. We just regurgitate it all for the for the fans. Um, but that's our show, everybody. Make sure to tune in here in a couple weeks. Let us know who you want to see covered on Competitor's Corner or who you want covered on Kayfabe. Who do we think that we need to be talking about in character stuff? We will see you soon. Later, guys. Bye.